0: be introducing somebody to you this morning, and I know the setup up here is a little bit different, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment, but we have a missionary that's with us this morning by the name of Leslie Latona. I met, I met Leslie a number of years ago when I was working in the district office, and uh, she had been a missionary associate in Columbia for a while, and when she was home for the summer, she, she asked if she could be a counselor at camp. People don't ask to do that. We, we normally have to chase people to do that, and she asked if she could be one, and, and of course we said, yeah, are you okay? <laughs> the interesting thing about that was all of the girls that were in her cabin that week loved her so much that we have these uh, reflections that take place at the end of camp that they fill out forms, and all of the girls in her cabin said they were all called to missions by just being around her that week. That was the influence that Leslie had upon them, and uh, Leslie, I have admired you and prayed for you, and I'm so thankful to God for everything that He's doing in your life and through your ministry, and we're so glad to have you here today. And we're going to start this morning by showing a little video clip of what the ministry looks like for her in Columbia, and then Pastor Mark and Pastor Julie are going to be interviewing for her for a little bit, and you will be able to participate because we're going to let you text questions to Pastor Mark's phone. So, this is the one time we do not want you to turn your phones off in church. However, if it rings, we're all going to look at you. So, let's go ahead and begin the video.
1: Over these past four years, I've been very involved with the Suba Foundation La Luz del Mundo we service 200 children, we give them breakfast and lunch Monday through Friday but it's not just a feeding program, they also get discipled, they all come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior they receive a new Bible and if they go on after the foundation they still have that, they have Jesus and I travel all over Colombia doing workshops and presenting missions, also taking with me my teenagers from the Suba Foundation who help me a lot
2: Whenever they travel to a different city, it's very enlightening to them. They like to see other kids, other youth, and other pastors. They come back with new experiences. They come back with a desire to tell everybody, look at what we've learned, look at what we
0: saw. I learned the compassion and mercy and love for all all people. When I think in Leslie, I think in King Castle, because. Because she's King Castle here, and King Castle is about drama, about choreography, and and many things for the children to go. It's like a little team or big that go into the parks and preach the God's word to everybody.
1: King's Castle is so much more than just drama and evangelism. It's also a discipleship. My students, every Monday night we have a discipleship manual that we go through, they have homework, so these teenagers are being empowered, trained up as leaders, as mighty missionaries to go
0: into all the world. She is instructing me in uh, many forms, uh, with the personnel, devotional, with your women's class, and more, more things. And again, with your com- compassion and mercy, and and, and I look Leslie uh, like my spiritual mom.
2: She have so much love for us, and always it's like she is like an uh, angel sent from from above, the heavens. <laughs> we feel like. She loves me, she upset me, no matter how was my past or where I come from.
0: She she knows to love, to talk, she knows to inspire the people to serve God with passion, with Emotion with everything that a missionary needs
1: we see it over and over again when you reach the children you reach the adults because the children go home and share with their parents and the teenagers go home and share with their parents and many of those adults many of the families have come to know jesus christ as a personal savior through the children's testimony of what they've learned at the foundation so when you give to missions we're touching these children's lives but we're also touching families lives too God has a purpose with Leslie in this place. God is the one who brought Leslie here. It wasn't a mission, it wasn't a man. It's God himself who brought her here because he knows the necessity that there is in this foundation.
2: Leslie has her prints everywhere in this place and in our hearts and in our lives. There may be people that claim to be missionaries, but she's a true missionary. She has it in her blood. Everything here is a result of her. Cantando, cantando, yo miré.
1: buenos dias a todos. Anybody speak Spanish? Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. It is Spanish all the time in Colombia every single day. Um, you saw in the video, those are my students. I love children and teenagers. I work from the age of five up to Gosh, we have teenagers, then we have young adults now that have come through the foundation. And you saw in the video that they were jumping up and down because when we worship, they jump up and down. They get all excited about Jesus. So, um... I'm here to do a little interview, and I'm looking forward to answering your questions. It is a pleasure to be here this morning, and I want to thank you for being a missions-giving church. Because you give, we can go. And we need boots on the ground to interact with the people, to build relationships, and then to be able to lead them to Jesus Christ, to understand the gospel message. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a missions-giving church. God bless you.
3: As we have the opportunity to get to, to know Leslie a little bit better, my cell number is up on the screen. And uh, so you can send text messages to me with questions. Um, I'll probably lump a lot of them together. We may not have the opportunity to get to all of your questions, especially if you flood my text message with your ridiculous questions. So um, resist the temptation to Snapchat with me during this time uh, because I will most likely reply. Um so uh, just to get us started here a little bit, Leslie, why don't you tell us, uh, give us a snapshot of what life, what, what your calling into full-time ministry uh, looked like for you.
1: Okay. I was um, teaching at Oswego County BOCES. I'm originally from Rochester and landed a job with Oswego County BOCES in Fulton, New York. So I was living in Fulton, and as I was teaching and earning money and learning what life was all about, I said, there has to be more to life than just getting a paycheck and spending it on what I want to spend it on and saving for retirement. You know, this is what the world will tell you, right? And I said, there has to be more to life. So I started going to this little church in Fulton. It was an Assembly of God church, and it was very missions-oriented. We went on a homeless weekend to New York City and worked with NISOM. I don't know if anybody's heard of New York School of Urban Ministry. And on that weekend, I told my pastor, I think God might be calling me into missions, but I don't know how God can use a special ed teacher from Rochester, New York, to go to the mission field. And my pastor, being a missions pastor, said, Leslie, come to Nysum for the summer. Spend a summer at Nysum feeding the homeless, working in AIDS clinics, amazing. And the Lord just broke my heart for the hurting, and I said, God, I want to do this with the rest of my life. I didn't know how it was going to look. So I eventually filled an application with the Assemblies of God. And I remember on the application it said, are you willing to go anywhere in the world? And I want to tell you this morning, when you check that you are willing to go anywhere in the world, you are going anywhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I started getting all this mail from this country called Colombia. And my young people over here today, here's your lesson for the day uh, from school teacher over here. It's Colombia because it has two O's. It doesn't have a U because you Colombia we spell it but it has two os it's Colombia and I be, I bought a map I put it on my wall and I put a little marker on it and I said lord do you want me to go to Colombia where do you have me to go and I went to my pastor I said pastor how do I know Colombia how do I know that for sure And my pastor said, are you called to be a missionary? And I said, I know that I know that I know I'm supposed to go to the mission field. He said, take a step of faith and God will either open every door or he'll put up obstacles. And I want to tell you, I just walked through every door and it was like, you know, I was a baby Christian. I was saved at 25 and went to the mission field at 27. Um, But it was like, I was waiting for God to say,
0: Go to Colombia.
1: And I never heard that voice. I never had the dream. And I did it. I really didn't know. But I want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that a lot of times we have to take a step of faith. It's okay. We're used to that in Colombia. We got chickens and
2: goats and everything. It's okay. Um, Our kids are wondering kind of what life looks like in Colombia. So um, is there a national sport? What are the clothes they wear? Do they eat at restaurants? What's the main food they eat?
1: The main sport is football, but football means soccer. They love soccer. Yes, soccer. (laughs) Um, The foods that they eat in Colombia, they have rice every single day. Rice, rice, rice. They love rice and they love beans. So at the foundation, we give them rice, beans, a little bit of meat, and then we have something called plantain and something called yuca, and usually potatoes on there too. That would be um, every day you would have that hot meal for lunch. And because you asked about what they wear, Colombians are very resourceful, and I'm wearing a cantaloupe seed, dried cantaloupe seed and coffee beans bracelet, and this is made out of... Um, Orange peels, when you peel the orange, they save the orange peels, and they make jewelry. And then seeds, and these are also orange peels and amber. So very resourceful people in Colombia.
3: Um, Give us, as we explain a little bit more what life looks like in Colombia, can you explain... Maybe twofold: one, what the government's reaction is to Christians, and two, what are some of the cultural um, either benefits to communicating the gospel or hindrances for the people in relating to them who Jesus is and what what, the, um, what religion, what faith in Jesus is all about.
1: Okay, if you look at the Voice of the Martyrs map, Colombia is always in red because it's one of the countries that is persecuted with the gospel. We have been in war, a civil war, for fifty plus years. It's hard for us to imagine here in America a war going on for 50-plus years. But when you, war, when you live in a war-tour country, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of insecurity, and the Marxist, communist, rebel group are totally against Christianity. So they are always trying to go in and take down things that they don't want to be there. So we are constantly fighting against that. But on the other hand, Colombia is an open window for the gospel message because people are hurting and they're tired of the lies they're tired of the corruption and they're looking for hope and that hope comes through knowing jesus christ as your personal savior
2: um, one of the questions that the kids had was what do people's faces look like when you tell them about god oh <laughs> their faces light up i want to tell you in colombia
1: i carry tracks with me i always have bibles in my house and if you give somebody a track A track is a little booklet that tells about Jesus, and I begin to explain to them. They will listen. They will get excited. And I leave them with the track, and they keep it, and they read it. And in Colombia, my children, like your age, when I give them a Bible, they say, a Bible for me? Thank you so much. And then I'll see them next week. They'll say, look, Leslie, I got my Bible, and I'm reading it. They get so excited to receive a Bible. It's amazing.
3: Uh, Give us a snapshot of maybe what a day looks like through the discipleship process or just the interaction that you have with the students that attend the foundation.
1: Okay, the foundation opens up at 7 a.m. and children come in for breakfast. And understand this isn't a poor neighborhood. It's one of the poorest neighborhoods in Bogota. Bogota is the capital of Colombia, 10 10 to 11 million people. So you either go to school in the morning or the afternoon. So if you go in the morning, you probably won't come for breakfast. You would go to school And then you would come to the foundation, have lunch, and stay till 5 p.m. to get help with your homework. Um, We disciple the children there at the foundation, so they come to discipleship courses. I work with the teenagers. I love teenagers. I love children, and I love teenagers. Because teenagers, if there's teenagers in the house today, I love you guys. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And God is doing amazing things through the teenagers. Um, So they have lunch, and then the foundation closes at 5 p.m., And the children receive um, a cup of oatmeal, and it has vitamins and minerals, because when they go home, there will be no more food. This is something we don't understand in the United States. But many countries live on minimum things. They don't have refrigerators. They don't have a pantry. And the children go home, there's no more food. So that oatmeal will sustain
2: them for the rest of the day. Um, What is your favorite part? I'm sure every part is your favorite part. But if you had to pick one part of what you do as a missionary and living in Colombia uh what is the favorite what like warms your heart <laughs> My favorite
1: part is the people and working with the people because they are really open to the gospel message and they're really appreciative you heard them I didn't want them to talk about me on that video I was like talk about the foundation <laughs> But they're so appreciative and they're so grateful. So I love working with these people and the joy because, again, when you live in poverty, you don't have a lot. They don't. You go to their home, it's like a concrete floor. They don't have hot water. You know, they have the bare minimum. But sometimes less is more because they love Jesus so much and they have such a joy. And you're just like, this is amazing.
2: This is so beautiful. I've learned so much from them. Um, could you give us, like, a little transformation story of someone that you've worked with and God has delivered them and, and been real in their life?
1: I will tell Dijana's story. Please do. Yay.
2: Okay. <laughs> Dijana was the girl
1: with the black hair, and she began to cry because she said, my past. Because her past is a uh, very turbulent, dramatic past. Um, her mother was a single mom with three children, and she was addicted to drugs. They took the children away from the mom and gave them to grandma. And grandma was taking care of the children. She found out about the foundation and sent the children to the foundation. Dijana, who you saw, speaking with the black hair, uh, Dajana came to the foundation. She was about five years old. We take him as little as five. And they began to see a change in her. And they said, something's different about Dijana. What is this foundation doing for her? So the mother, the grandmother started to learn about it. And then the mother came to the foundation and said, I don't want to live this anyway anymore. I want to be set free from drugs. Please help me. I need help. And we prayed and prayed with her and counseled her. And I want to tell you, her mother was set free from drugs. Amen. Yes, you can get excited. God is good. Hallelujah. That's what the gospel message does. It transforms lives. And her mother uh, came to a church service. And in Colombia, we see this all the time, um, First of all, we have altar calls all the time and the whole church just comes up. People are so hungry, they're just seeking God. even if they're already saved, they'll get come up and just want to have more of Jesus. And her mother came up and when she was praying, a demon manifested itself. And I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it's kind of like in the Bible where it talks about demons manifesting themselves. and she was like this rigid on the ground and things were coming out of her mouth that were really scary. And we began to pray over her and take authority in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, that demon left. And the Bible says um, of people that have been demon-possessed and set free, she was sitting in her right mind. She was totally set free. She now teaches um, at the foundation, teaches the preschool kids. And on Saturday, she's studying to be a school teacher. So God is so good. God is working.
3: Um, One of the things that uh, you you talked a little bit about that I think will give people uh, some frame of reference For the spiritual atmosphere of of Colombia, you were explaining a little bit of kind of the merging of what they would consider some form of Catholicism with some other spiritual things. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yes. Colombia is primarily a Catholic country, but you have to understand it's not like Catholic here. It's also mixed with black magic and witchcraft. So it's, it's a very oppressive. When people come to get saved, there's, th- there's like demons that have to be broken off of them and spiritual strongholds that shouldn't be there. Um, so it's, so it, there's a real heaviness. And if you come to Colombia, you might feel it. Um, and you have to be in prayer all the time because it is, it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle because the enemy would just love to continue to pour out his wrath upon that country. But I want to tell you where... Evil is being poured out. The Holy Spirit is being poured out even more powerfully. Yes.
3: <laughs> what, um, what hurdles, or if there are any benefits, uh, how does the government's interaction as it relates to either supportive ministries like yours or hindrance thereof, um, and to some degree too, how, do, how does the Civil War stuff that take, that's taking place there, maybe those are two separate questions so you can address them however, um, influence your ability to do ministry um, there in, in Bogota?
1: The government doesn't really get involved too much with the foundation. Um, they want to send in people, but it's all paperwork and red tape. You cannot believe it. We had some government workers come, and it was just piles and piles of papers. Um, so they don't give any money to help with it, which is really sad. So it's all faith-based. I hope I'm – I answering the right question? No. Yes. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> and um, – so the government, we can't get help from them, so it's totally faith-based um, and just believing that Jesus is going to help us because the government is so corrupt. When you live in a war-torn country, nobody trusts anybody.
2: Mm. Um, can you give us maybe some numbers as far as running the foundation? Like what, how much does it take to, to make it work for a day or a month or anything like that? Just so we have like a, a picture in our mind financially what it takes to run that. Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Um, we have a water bill, an electric bill, and a gas bill. Water bill is the most expensive bill that you will pay. Here it's gas and electric, right? In Colombia, it's water. Everybody's always, um, like when, you, when the rinse cycle goes on, your washing machine, they'll put it into um, big containers. They have the big containers sitting around their house, and then they use that to flush the toilet because they're always trying to save water. Um The expense to run the foundation is a really, really good question. I don't know how much it is, but I did share first service that we have some sponsors that send $30 a month, and we say about $30 a month will help to feed a child at the foundation. And also, um, you saw their uniforms. Every child in Colombia needs a uniform, so some of that money goes towards uniform. Um, BGMC provide BGMC, children, BGMC. Yes, love BGMC. Okay, boys and girls, missions, mi- missions challenge, okay. Um, our kids all have to wear a uniform, and BGMC gave some money. We ha- They have to go to a tailor, and they have to get the right uniform. You saw on the video, my girls, they both had different outfits on. Depending on the school you go to, you have a different uniform. Um, so BGMC was able to help with that. So thank you, guys. You're awesome, BGMC. That's
2: yes. Good. That's good.
3: So now any kids, any kids from the area are. You don't have to be invited to come. They're, you know, it's not like a certain number, right? So as many people that show up any given day is as, as What is the turnover rate? Once kids start coming, do they come back pretty regularly, or is, do you know that there's sometimes where you might only have one shot to share your life with a particular child? Yes. What does that look like? That's
1: a Good question. Okay, right now we have 222 kids, but every year or. During the year two, kids transition out Because when you live in poverty You don't have enough money to pay the rent And a lot of them are single moms So they have to move on to somewhere else We also have um, displaced people Um, I shared this first service too We have the largest number of displaced people In the entire world in Colombia More than Syria at this point Um, people come in every day to Bogota. Bogota is exploding at the seams because people come in for safety. They give them a little card, the displaced people, and they are welcome to come to the foundation, but we might only service them for six months, and that's why we always make sure that they know who Jesus is, introduce them to Jesus Christ, give them a Bible, and begin to disciple them because if they go on from the foundation, they will still have that, and they know who Jesus is, and that's the most important thing.
2: Um, you were saying that when people send $30 a month to sponsor a child, that feeds them for the whole month. Is that right? Yes. So it's like a dollar a day to feed children. So kiddos, listen to this. One Happy Meal at McDonald's costs about $4. $4 would feed a child in Columbia for four days. Yeah, that's right. That's a ugh, yeah. moment. Wow.
3: The little fries they give you, too. That's basically two fries. No. I'm just Ration it out. Ration it out.
2: <laughs> that's crazy, though, right? Wow.
3: Absolutely. Um, uh, help us to understand a little bit. you You said, obviously. Poverty is an issue where you're at, obviously with civil wars and stuff that's going on. Um, what, is, what does life look like for you as it relates to um, just interacting regularly with a pretty dangerous environment? Um, how, do you, how does your day go about for protection, spiritual warfare sorts of things with you know, witchcraft and all those sorts of stuff? How, twofold maybe, how can we pray for you and what are some things that you have done to make sure that, that you are healthy as you minister others?
1: In Colombia, security is the number one source of income. We have security guards everywhere. We have street guards. So I have a street guard. He sees me coming. He sees me going. He watches over my place. Every street you go to, there's a different street guard. Um, So security is very important, and the Colombians will tell you, be careful, do this, do that. Um, the first time I went to Colombia, we were constantly getting embassy, uh, warnings not to go, if you went to a restaurant, not to sit near the windows, not to sit near the bathroom. Don't go to a mall where the, um, it has the parking on the bottom because that's where they'll go down with the bombs in the cars and they'll bring down the whole building. Um, bombs were going off all the time. It was, it was pretty scary and I was scared. I have to admit, I was like, what is going on? I'm not used to this. Um, if you know Pablo Escobar, I was there when they murdered him. He was the, the... Uh, historical drug lord from Colombia who caused a lot of evil and a lot of problems for Colombia. And I remember that weekend they told us, don't leave your apartment. I was like, don't leave my apartment. This is like, wow. So first of all, your prayer life gets really good. Um, I think anywhere you go in the world as a missionary, your prayer life will get really good because you are always a foreigner and you know you're a foreigner and that's not your country. So I have to be careful to make sure I guard my spiritual life. Uh, my devotional time and surround myself with other people that are going to edify me and build me up. That's
3: good. What did, um, what did the, the preparation process for you look like before you left for Columbia? Did you speak Spanish before? Uh, what was the training process? If you want to give us a snapshot of what, what life looks like in preparation to going and being called in mission.
1: Okay, uh, Teenagers, if you're taking Spanish in school, learn it. Please, <laughs> because God might call you or who knows what he's going to do with it. Um, or any other foreign language. I studied six years um, in Rochester, uh, Spanish courses, middle school and high school, and I really thought I was fluent until I got to Colombia. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and now with the Internet and everything, you can be, because listening is the key. You've got to be listening and conversational. Um, so I got to Colombia, and I really was struggling with the Spanish. Uh, so you have to go to language school so you can learn the language. You can communicate with the people, And had to do six weeks training down in Springfield, Missouri, uh, a missionary training, and that's pretty much teaching you how to contextualize uh, the gospel message for different cultures. Because you just can't go into a culture. We don't get this, but we think we think the United States is like the biggest, greatest country in the world. We're so wonderful, and we go to these countries and we think, okay, you got to be like the U.S., but they're not. The culture is so different; it's so foreign. So we have to make sure we contextualize the gospel. That means that we present it to them in their culture, not in the American way or one at the American church, but using their culture to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And we have ongoing training. I have to go to missionary renewal in Springfield, Missouri, for about two weeks in June when I come off the field.
2: Um, Can you explain... um for some adults, too, I'm sure. But for the kids, how it works as a missionary, because you don't just get, like, a paycheck every week like their parents do at their job. Like, how do you how do you get money to do what you do? Well, when I
1: quit my job with Oswego County BOCES, um, I thought I was going to get paid through the Assemblies of God. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, no, you have to go raise your support. I said, raise my support. And what we do as missionaries, we have to raise our monthly support. I am here for one year. I've been on the field for four years now. And I come home every four years for one year, go around, travel around churches, and you have to raise your monthly support. That monthly support is what keeps you on the field and also provides work funds to do the ministry work down there in Colombia. So like missions churches here, you guys give so the missionaries can go and be on the mission field.
3: Um, what are What are some of your favorite things about the culture of Colombia? some of the things that y- even when you 're home now you 're like oh i can 't wait to go back because I love this and then vice versa when you 're there what are what are some of the things that you 're like, "Oh, home, like ice cubes in a glass of <laughs> vanilla Coke would be my thing but um, what uh, what about for yourself
1: The people are so friendly they 're so nice they 're like do you ever meet anybody who's like so nice? You're like, it's too good to be true. Yeah. You're like, they're just too nice. That's the majority of the Colombians I work with. Just very loving, giving people... Um you know, I've, I've become a better person. I've become a nicer, friendlier person because of the culture of Colombia has rubbed off on me because Colombians will greet, at, like when you guys are doing the greeting, that would go on for like 20 minutes because, I mean, you'd have to, be, you'd have to start preaching to get them to sit down. <gasps> Very relational. Um, relationships are number one in Colombia. Do you know what's number one in America? Work. <laughs> <laughs> we do that's, that's number one New York minute I got to get it done come on we got to hurry up we're busy come on got to get through the drive through everything fast instantaneous but in Colombia it's relationships so when I come to America it's, it's, it's actually harder for me to come back to my home country because it's just total opposite for me. But when I am in Colombia, I do miss—I miss speaking English because it's <laughs> Spanish all the time. <laughs> I miss preaching in English because I have to preach in Spanish, and that's always a challenge for me. And I miss my family. Um, my mom and dad both live in Rochester. Um, and of course, here, you know, just the conveniences of America—we have so many things. Wegmans—I miss Wegmans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Total random question. So since you're fluent in two languages, when you dream, is it in Spanish or English or both?
1: (laughs) Usually English. But if it's in Spanish, I get very excited because I say if you dream in a foreign language, that means you're fluent. So I'm like, yes.
3: Very cool. Very cool. Um, So how can we pray specifically for you? If you could give us some specific things, um, what can we do to, to lift you in the ministry that you're doing um, in, in prayer on a regular basis?
1: I covet your prayers. Um, I love being a missionary, but there's a lot of challenges that face you as a missionary, as of any missionary that goes into a foreign country. Um, so prayer requests would be for the peace of Colombia, that this war would end, um, for this drug trafficking, which has been going on way too long and has ruined so many lives here in America. I'm sure there's people here who have been touched by it in one way or another, family members or friends. Um, it continues. It's, it's ugly. It's terrible. And that needs to end in this war um, that rages on for over 50 years. So if you could pray for that and just pray for me as I go back to Colombia that God would use me. And if you're a prayer intercessor, I have prayer cards back there. I covet your prayers because it's through your prayers that we're able to stay on the field. That's
3: good. What is the what is the hope with uh, with the foundation you work with um, in setting up the, the children that are coming through you f- uh, for success in the future? Is there occupational training? Is it just, hey, go share the truth of the gospel with as many people as possible? What does life look like for them once they've graduated kind of from that, That foundation, so to speak.
1: Okay. They go through discipleship courses, and there's four levels of discipleship. And once you go through level four, usually a teenager, and then you go into leadership training. So it is, like, ingrained in them to serve, to serve no matter what you're going to do. Like one of my boys, he wants to be a chef. So great, be a chef. But that's going to be your ministry. And he knows that when he goes in there, and this is for us, too, here in America, to be salt and light wherever you are in your workplace. You change the atmosphere when you go into that place. Even if people are swearing up a storm and they are so ungodly, you have Jesus Christ in you, and you are that light that they need. So I would encourage you, wherever you are in your workplace, um, pray for those people and pray and say, God, I know you, you have me here for a reason. And don't d- get discouraged and seek other Christians too. So training them to go into the workplace. M- many are called into ministry. Um, you heard the girls talking um, about how they've learned compassion and mercy. We are training up Colombians to be missionaries. Mm-hmm because if you're aware, we are not welcome to go into Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, but the Colombians have the same brown skin and they welcome them. Mm -hmm. So we have a training school, we're training up missionaries, and we're teaching them English. And I'm teaching my kids English because English will open the door for my children to grow up and be able to have jobs in English speaking or even go to the mission field. And Dijana with the black hair, she's 16 years old, And she's now teaching the English class. I'm not there. She's teaching the English class. So we're, like, empowering them and allowing them to go and run. And this is what I love about teenagers. Set it high. The expectation's high. Because you set the expectations high. Those teenagers are going to rise to it. Um, And Dijana has been called to be a missionary. And her English is phenomenal. So who knows where God's going to send her.
3: Um, Well, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Thank you for your questions. If you've got some that may not have been answered or you have additional questions, uh, you'll be able to connect with Leslie here after the service for a little while and follow up. But we want to pray for her and um, spend some time uh, lifting her together in prayer. Amen. Awesome lady, huh? Let's give her a round of applause.
0: We are going to support her today with an offering. And so I'm going to ask our ushers if they would come and then... Uh, For those of you that that you know us as a church, we never let a a missionary escape from here until we have prayed for them. And so uh, when we finish the offering, we're going to invite all of our children to come and stand around Leslie so that they can stand in in support with her. Uh, Ushers, go ahead and come on if you would, please. Uh, If you're making out a check, make it out to Grace Assembly so that we can give this to her in one check. And uh, we're thankful for your missionary heart for your love of the world and for the love of the lost because we know that God does great things through you and we're so appreciative. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would help us to be generous today. Rather than thinking about all of the things that we can do with the money that you give us, let us just for a moment look through the viewfinder of what you can do with the money that you have given to us. When we're sitting down today and we have multiple choices of what we want to eat this afternoon, let us remember those kids that eat the same meal, every meal, every day, and are thankful for it. And may we express our love to you with generosity toward our missionaries. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless this offering as we sacrificially give it. In Jesus' name, amen. As the offering is being taken, I'm going to ask... Leslie, if she would sit down here. And Pastor Julie is going to lead in prayer. And children, I'm going to ask that you would come on up and and gather around her, if you would. When we're finished with this prayer, we're going to release you. And Leslie will be out at uh, at the table that she has set up out here. And the rest of you, you can stop and greet her there, if you'd like, before you head downstairs for soup and salad. And, uh, and time of fellowship together. Uh, this is an awesome sight right here, isn't it, to have our kids gathered around our missionaries because they need to know that this church is here b- because of them and for them and that they're a vital part of this. And so I'm going to ask that you would stand with me and we're going to ask Pastor Julie to lead in prayer for Leslie LaTona.
2: All right, let's pray. Go ahead, kiddos. You can lay a hand on her. The Bible talks about laying out of hands, right? There you go. Perfect. Father, thank you for the passion and excitement and enthusiasm that you have given Leslie. Lord, you clearly have given her energy to work with kids and teens, and she needs that. So we pray that you would just pour out on her abundantly. The energy and um, patience and love for these kids and teens. And God, thank you so much that then you use it to meet families and transform lives for the glory of you. That your name would be honored, God. Father, we pray for provision. You know Leslie's personal needs, and you know her ministry needs. And so we pray right now for double portions of blessing to pour out on her With money, true, but, God, with other provision, too. God, if she needs that speed-the-light car to get oil changes, provide it. God, if she needs the lights to remain on in her building, provide it. That water bill that's so big, Lord, take care of it. We trust you as our provider to pour out on her. God, thank you for the lives that are being transformed because of your power, your Holy Spirit that is in Leslie. Lord, we pray for deliverance for this country. God, Columbia needs you. So the spiritual bondage that is there, God, we pray against in the name of Jesus Christ, that your light would shine and that transformation would take place, that that country would see revival. Move in our world, God. Revive this world. We are desperate for you. We need you, and we need your Holy Spirit boldness in us, God, here in this country. Help us to open our mouths to speak your truth. God, open our eyes to see the needs and then meet them. Because of all that we have been lavished upon, we have so much. Inspire us and motivate us and move us to give. Your good God keep Leslie safe as she moves about this country raising money for her mission God, that you would be there with her protecting her every step of the way and as she goes back to her country, Colombia we pray that this next portion of the ministry that she has would be phenomenal, that we would get reports back here at Grace that mighty things are happening, that you are moving in Bogota in Jesus name we pray
0: And, Lord, we ask that you bless this food that we're about to eat downstairs. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord today.